You're listening to Book Stories, a podcast about the business and culture of book selling in the 21st century. I'm your host, Vic Singh. Before we begin, if you like what we're doing, there are a couple of ways to help us out. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also support the show via Patreon. Finally, I'm excited to announce a cool partnership with Libro.fm. Libro.fm is the first audiobook company to directly support independent bookstores. They make it easy for you to listen to more audiobooks at a great price, all while knowing you're helping your community thrive. Learn how to get your first month for 99 cents at bookstories.show. This week's conversation is with Bob Lingle of Off the Beaten Path Books in upstate New York in a town called Lakewood. Bob and his wife purchased the store from the previous owners earlier this year. One of their goals was to make the place friendlier to families with kids, like theirs. During our chat, I discovered that Bob wears many hats, including congressional campaign manager. We get into all of that and more. Enjoy. Tell me about the town you're in, for those that may not know. Can you kind of just paint a brush about where you are in the, in the world and, and tell me a little bit about, is it Lakewood? New York? Yeah, it's Lakewood, New York. Lakewood is in Chautauqua County. So we're right next to Chautauqua, like around, like if anyone knows of our area, it's because of the Chautauqua Institution. We rely a lot on the Chautauqua Institution customers. Like we see a huge spike in our business throughout the summer months because of the vacationers that come through. But it's kind of this world-renowned institution that has different speakers and different seminars that, that come through. But we're about an hour and a half south of Buffalo and about an hour northeast of Erie, Pennsylvania. And we're very close to um, Jamestown, New York, which if you go anywhere around the area, Lakewood or Jamestown, you'll just see Lucille Ball everywhere Yeah, um, because it was her hometown. And um, this summer, they're um, launching the National Comedy Center right in Jamestown. And that's going to be like the, it's kind of like the the Hall of Fame for comedians. They have works from like George Carlin, and it's going to be this really incredible, um, incredible building. Very cool. Before I leave you to talk about the like the business in general and stuff, I saw when we connected that you're working on a congressional campaign, and I thought that was really cool. How did that come about, and and how's it going? Yeah, one of my uh, many careers has. I received my master's in integrated marketing communications. And when I was doing that, I ended up doing my master's thesis projects on a mayoral campaign. And I kind of went into the campaign thinking that I would be a volunteer. And then I quickly became the communications director for, for the race. That was like five years ago. So in the last five years, I've worked on a number of different political campaigns. And it's always something that I've been able to do on the side. So it's not like something that I have ever um, had a desire to or had a had the thought that I would become rich off, off of it or make a career off of it. I've really wanted to focus on working with candidates that were very passionate and sincere and not your typical candidate. And the person that I'm working for now is Ian Golden, who our district is pretty huge in, in its size. It's about 400 miles across. Um, so I'm actually 
on the far end of the district and the candidate that I'm working with is is on the other end. He is a small business owner. He's a father of two young kids. I'm also a small business owner and father of two young kids. So we just when we met about a year ago, we just had a lot in common and I just found him to be the really the best candidate of what at the time there was about 12 people who were initially running in, in this primary, just the primary, not even to to get to the general election. Right now, there's five candidates in the primaries is next month. So it's kind of been a, a crazy, crazy time of year because it's basically been two full time jobs between the store and the campaign. That sounds intense. So you've been in you've had this business for essentially three months, you said. Yes. Is this the first business that you've owned or that you've that you've uh, started or that you've kind of been at the head of? Yeah, this is the first one. So how's business going in general? You don't have to grade yourself, but just what's your gut feeling on how things have been for the past three months? I think it's going um, really well. I'm fortunate that we have a very supportive community that wants there to be a bookstore here. Um, so there's people that like I see the same customer, a lot of the same customers every week where they'll order a book. We have the book come in the next week when they come in to pick up a book there, they have the, the next book that they want ordered. So a huge chunk of our business is special order, but we, I think overall based on is that, is that because you don't stock everything? Is that part of the reason? There's a lot of like special interest things. The previous owners tried to not do like a ton of the, like the, they wouldn't bring in like all of the top 10 bestsellers because those just weren't the things that, that sold here. There is like a lot of customers that come in that are looking for like the, the next political book, or we've had success, like the Stephen King book that came out this week. Like I had a post on Instagram about that earlier today. And then I had two people come in to, to pick up the book. What I'm trying to do now is just figure out who our audience is so I can start to curate titles for those people more because that's really where the previous owners has had, had success in the past was knowing the customers and then bringing in books so they could just hand the book to the customer when they walk in like, hey, I think you'd be interested in this. And nine times out of 10, they end up walking out with it. More directly answer your question, because of the the hoops that I had to jump through to get the small business loan, like I had to come up with five-year projections of what my sales and expenses and everything would be. And for the first few months, my sales haven't quite been where I wanted them to be, but my expenses were were also lower. So I have made a greater profit than, than what I had anticipated for the first few months. That's good to hear. Is there a nagging pain point in the business that you've discovered that you would like to solve? I mean, I've only been here for three months, <laughs> but... Uh, Small sample size. Yeah, not so much. I it's just kind of like some growing pains. Like I noticed that there was just this trend that I would order a, a new release and that I wasn't getting that book until the following week. And I reached out to my sales rep and I said, "Hey, why? Like, is this just because I'm a small store?" She's like, "Oh no, there was this form that you were supposed to fill out, and I probably received it. And there was so many different, so much paperwork that I was doing when I started the business that I probably just missed it." but it was just like a waiver that I wouldn't sell a book before the release date. So once I did that, like the last two weeks, I've been getting all the books on schedule. So I think that was more just a, a growing pain for me and a silly mistake that I... <laughs> Bookstore bureaucracy. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a young guy, you've got a young family, so you're you're a little, I would say, politely, you're technologically a little more advanced than some 
some maybe some other bookstore owners, maybe some other brick and mortar retailers. What are some things that you're doing to drive traffic to the store, build community, create demand that might be outside of the box? Someone could hear this and maybe get a nugget or some insight from. Well, I've been trying to rely um, like on my marketing background of being able to create those connections, like a couple books that I would recommend that I, like one that I read before grad school and one that I read in was um, Gary Vaynerchuk's The Thank You Economy. And I can't remember the author for the other one, but it's called Word of Mouth Marketing. And those are two books that have just kind of inspired me to be have that constant connection and being able to go above and beyond for the customers. And just what I was able to do in the first few months, um, two weeks into owning the store, we had a grand reopening event where I went through and found like all of the government representatives in the area from the town and the, the bordering cities and invited them to our grand reopening and just kind of stressed the importance of the bookstore to the community and kind of told our story in this email. Um, and we had quite a few of those people come to the store and show their support. When I've had special events, I've collected emails, so I've been able to create an email database and I actually was able to work off of the previous owner's um, email list as well. So I can send out emails to let people know of the events that we have going on, the things that we'd like to do with the store to kind of create more of a dialogue with our customers outside of the store. If anyone has a way to utilize Twitter as a bookstore, if they have recommendations, feel free to reach out to me because I've just, Twitter is not something that I use on a regular basis. But between Facebook and Instagram, I've been able to do really well with promoting books that are coming in, um, events that we have coming up. And really, like I've spent a little bit of money doing social media ads, but I haven't really touched the ad, ad budget that, that I had set aside for, for that. And I've still had really good responses. Um, the social media marketing has, has really been great for us. And it kind of helps connect to a younger audience where a lot of the, the dedicated people that come to the store are just people that would rather not deal with Amazon because they're of an age that they don't feel like shopping online. Does your town skew young or is it does it skew old or is it somewhere in the middle? I'm just trying to get a sense of like what kind of a customer walks through your door on a, on a given day. The entire area um, skews on the, the older end, but we do have... It seems like there's a lot of people that leave the area after college, uh, similar to my wife, because my wife is from the area, um, leaving the area. You have a family, you have small kids, and then you end up coming back, yeah, come back to your town um, if you're lucky enough to, to find a find a job there. But we do have a lot of younger families. I would say half of our business because we have the store is three rooms and the, the back room is our kids section. So we have a lot of board books, chapter books, and then we have a, a pretty large selection of Melissa and Doug toys. So I saw that. I'm a big Melissa and Doug household myself. Yeah, I, I had been listening to the podcast and you have a, you have a four-year-old as well. Yeah. Yeah. The Melissa and Doug toys are huge. I would say like that. The kids room is about 50% of our business. And then the, the rest would be the, the regular um, fiction, nonfiction books. You have a media background. Is media something that's on your radar or something that you're going to do in terms of broadcasting events, some video, some audio? Is that something that is on your, was that in your business plan? I guess that's one question. And then number two, if it wasn't, is that, is that something that you think you can use to create some sort of ecosystem or, or demand around your, your store? It's something that, that I have considered. It wasn't a part of the initial business plan, but it is something that um, I was considering. I don't know how frequently I would do it, but if 
doing either like live videos or something that was more produced of interviewing different people. We have so many, we have a huge local author section and we try to support those people as much as possible. We spent our independent bookstore day. Um, we invited, it was like 13 or 14 different local authors to the store to sell their books and meet with the different people in the area. But I'd like to do kind of like an interview series where I can interview the local authors, interview the previous, because there was two previous owners of the store and like different people from the community to talk about, similar to what you're doing at the podcast, but at a much more local level. How big is your inventory and what's your selling space? Our store is about 750 square feet. The total inventory, it's between like five to, to 6,000 books. And then probably, I don't know what I would say for the Molson Doug choice, because we have like, smaller quantities of each item, but quite a few different items in the, in the store. And the space that you're in, is it the space that was the existing, where the existing bookstore was, or did you move? No, it's the, the same same store, same space. Okay. And was it a real estate transaction as well, or are you a, or do you have a landlord? No, we, we have a landlord here. Okay. Because that's, that's a common topic of conversation is, you know, finding a space where, especially in bigger towns where rent factors are, you know, they're prohibitive in many instances. Having a landlord that wants a bookstore to exist actually is uh, the reason why the bookstore is in fact there, I've found, which I thought it was a little odd at first when I heard that, but it it actually makes sense when you hear the stories, at least the stories that I've heard. So. Yeah, the rent here is extremely reasonable. Like if I would ever consider moving this store, it would be, I think it'd be pretty challenging because there's a mall that's down the street where there used to be a Walden Books when Walden Books existed. And then... Like the only other place that I would consider is going like 15 minutes into downtown Jamestown, where there's been a lot of new development. But I think that new development has really increased the uh, the lease or the the rent for for the area. So I think I'll I'll probably be here for for quite some time. I mean, it's a great location. We're right next to the Chautauqua Lake. And we're right like in the, the area of where all the vacationers are staying. And so I think it would be a silly move to to move out of here at this point. It's a sweet spot. Yeah, I saw some, I saw some pictures. It looks really cool. So you're actually kind of you're kind of the best person to ask, and 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 maybe you'll have a little bit of bias to this answer, but or to this question. But what advice do you have for people that want to open a bookstore today? What one, two, or three things would you tell somebody who came down, sat down in your office, and said, "Hey, I want to do this." What can you tell me? I would say do your research on just kind of independent bookstores and and how. Other people are doing things. I found, like, I personally, I've once you contacted me about being on here, I've listened to all of the other podcasts and just kind of was taking notes down. <laughs> so maybe step two would be listening to your podcast, and step three, it would just be know what you can afford in in terms of expenses and like have a very strong plan at least three to five years out of how much can I afford to spend and and how much do I expect to actually bring in with this. On a day-to-day basis, is Amazon on your mind at all? Only, I wouldn't say day-to-day, but there's certainly like the frustration points of so much of our business is special orders that come in just because they want like an older book or very specific book that we wouldn't have, have had in otherwise. And if it's the customer that says, oh, I'll, I'll just order on, on Amazon, well, you could order it here. <laughs> like it, you're, you're going to get it in about the same amount of time and you're supporting a local business. But I don't think from the customers that are coming into the store, like we're not really losing 
anyone. And I've only, there's actually only one instance of a customer that was like going through the store on her iPad and just kind of like window shopping of what, of what she had showroom and what she uh, wanted to buy onto her Kindle. Where is the closest, the nearest bookstore to you? Like uh, how far would a, would a local have to go to get to another bookstore? Well, that was the, the greatest thing and, and why I really wanted to jump at this opportunity and, and why the, it's probably one of the reasons why the bank manager thought it could work is that there's one other, there's a couple other stores in the area, but there's one that is only used books. There's another book that's on the grounds of the Chautauqua Institution, and they don't have the same sort of selection. And it's more of like a kind of like a gift shop that has books, and the books are more geared towards like the special, like the writer, like the authors and uh, guest speakers that they have there. But in terms of like direct competition, because of we're kind of like a mini Barnes and Noble with the the variety that we have, and having the Melissa and Doug toys and games would be Barnes and Noble in the nearest store that sells or the nearest Barnes and Noble or even the nearest store that sells the same sort of variety that we do would be in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is an hour away or Buffalo, which is an hour and a half away. So we're kind of, so you're kind of in this little pocket. Yeah, We're in this great little pocket. Are you pro Barnes and Noble? I, I mean, I worked there for a year and a half. It was, it was kind of a painful moment of letting my membership expire once I bought the bookstore. <laughs> so I'm like, why I, I have no need to go there now. I mean, I, I like Barnes & Noble. I think it serves a purpose. Barnes & Noble in Buffalo has three different locations around the city, but the city of Buffalo has about four or five independent bookstores. So it's not like it's cannibalizing um, those at all. So I, I think that they're able to, to coexist with independent stores. Um, and it kind of offers a different atmosphere than you would get from an independent bookstore. So I have, I have no issue with Barnes & Noble. I asked that question just because there's like all this talk in the news and stuff, you know, they're closing and more of them are closing. And then there was this op-ed that I read where the thesis of it was that the health and well-being of the book industry in general is much stronger and healthier if Barnes & Noble exists. And, you know, there was something to be said for that. But I I, I just, I'm just am curious to, to just to know the thoughts, someone who's at in your, in your shoes. And, you know, obviously the Amazon thing is pretty pretty beat to death in terms of opinion and and rightfully so but Barnes and Noble is a, was a, is a curious thing like it's it's like teetering on the brink so to speak but i wonder if that might not be like a bad thing long term the 7 years that that i've worked within the world of books be it textbooks or or at Barnes and Noble I mean, it's just been a constant change. Like I was working at Barnes and Noble when borders closed and also during the period where they drastically reduced the amount of books that they had on the floor to make room for a huge toys and game section. And then um, the experiments, like a lot of the music departments had failed in other stores where in the store that I was at, it was right across the street from what used to be a media play and then it was an FYE and then it was something else. And all of those places had gone out of business. So like the, that store became the only place to buy any sort of music. So that area kind of thrives. So I, I feel like Barnes & Noble is... They're figure, they've been figuring it out for a yeah, long time. Yeah, they're constantly trying yeah. to figure, figure it out. And I think they're doing a much better, like especially with ebooks. Like I came into Barnes & Noble as a digital sales lead. So my purpose there was to, to work that little nook counter that you walk into when you walk into the store. And they 
played the ebook game much better than Borders did, where they weren't really affiliated with a specific source of books, and they had like seven or eight different e-readers that they were trying to sell, and like they, you could tell that there was no real grasp of like, all right, we have this specific focus on how we're going to manage. The, the rise of ebooks, which kind of went away, where Barnes and Noble seems to have had much more a much more clear path of okay, we need to react to this, and this is how we're going to do it. So I feel like they've been much smarter in the way they're doing things. I'm going to finish up with a lightning round. Okay. So I'm going to ask you. I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions, and they can be yes or no's. But if you want to, if you want to deep dive, feel free. In your store in particular, what's been selling really well lately? We have had not a specific title, but it, a lot of the political books like uh, Madeleine Albright's Fascism, James Comey's A Higher Loyalty, War on Peace. There's been a very high focus on, on the different political things that are going on in the world. You mentioned, going back to your business plan, you mentioned that you had to do projections and, you know, business plan 101, you basically have to do a bunch of forecasting. So this is a forecasting question. What does your business look like in five years? Make your bankers proud. Well, it's, I have a five-year loan, so after five years, I will immediately be making more money because <laughs> I won't be paying off that loan anymore. Okay. But I would like to have like a set schedule. I'm trying to do more events. Like I've set up three different book clubs for three different age ranges that I'm hoping is successful over time. Um, like I just want to have a very heavy event schedule for the store to keep people coming in, whether it be to buy a book or just to, to be in the environment. How does a book club work? Do you organize a group of people around a single book and then pre-sell the book to the group? Is that, that, is that the business model of the book club? Yeah, that's how, um, that's how I have it focused. So I have, for the next four months, I have the books selected. And then I, if, the, if the clubs are successful, what I would like is it to be more democratic where the people that keep coming back to the book club can then kind of choose their own book of, of what they want to focus on for the next few months so I can order those in for, for those customers. But we have a good relationship. There's four or five different book clubs in the area outside of the bookstore that they give us their book club list. We know to order those books in and then they get a discount on that book for the month. And then as long as they remind us that they're in the book club, they can get a 10% discount on any other item in the store. So we already have that kind of relationship established. This is more for the people that aren't in a book club that would like to be, that just like don't know how to organize it um, on their own. So we're just creating this network where here's the book. If you want to buy it from us, you can get a discount. This is when we're going to meet to, to talk about it. You know, I forgot to ask you this. Did you ever consider crowdsourcing or like a Kickstarter campaign in terms of raising money to take over the bookstore? Was that even a thing? I didn't primarily because I am newer um, to the area where like I've, I had only lived in the area for like just over a year at the time that, that I had purchased it. So I just, I didn't have that network where I could have easily set it up Makes sense. to get it jump started. Yeah. Um, and also the, the reason that the previous owner had sold the store was that she was expecting a baby and didn't want to have a baby at the store, even though I actually have my two and four year old at the store frequently, but a baby is much different. So there was kind of a time crunch of like, they wanted to sell the store quickly and know that they had a, a definite buyer of it. So I didn't want to say, Oh, I'm going to get this Kickstarter 
set up and hopefully we'll get the money in time. So, yeah. So your, your, your variables were different, but I've talked, I've talked to several people that have had like successful runs at that. And even, even stores that were like in one particular region, they had supporters from across the country or like even from, you know, Canada because they wanted that the idea of that person's vision to exist. So I just, I ask, I ask that question every time it comes up because I'm curious. There's so many really weird and curious and bad things that get funded on those things. And the books, yeah. <laughs> I just think there would be more, more, more things like bookstores should be on there, especially ones that are financially distressed. That's the, that's the essence of what I was getting at. Yeah. If there wasn't like the time crunch or if it was, if it was just an idea that I was starting from scratch, I could see that being a more viable option that just wasn't in this circumstance. What are you reading at the moment? I have realized that it's very difficult to read a book when you do two full-time jobs and have two little kids. But I'm a huge Chuck Palahniuk fan, so I'm working my way through Adjustment Day right now. And so far, I'm really enjoying it. He's, I've been a fan of his for years. And actually, when Rant came out in like 2007, I drove up to Toronto to go to that book signing. He's had a couple books so like the last few novels were kind of not not my taste, but it seems to be going back to uh, classic Chuck Palahniuk with Adjustment Day. Being a dad and you kind of understand and appreciate the the value of time and, and multitasking, do you listen to audiobooks? I'm not, I've, I haven't been a huge audiobook fan. Um, the only ones that I've really listened to are Malcolm Gladwell. I think it's because I, I've just become obsessed with his voice. Yeah, he's a great narrator. He's a, just a great, yeah, he could, he could recite the phone book. But I, I got into his podcast, Revisionist History. Yeah. And then from that, it kind of opened up this whole window of where I, I don't, get into audiobooks so much, but podcasts, I, I, I devour, like I really like the WTF podcast and I'm a big fan of comedy. So if a comedian has a podcast, odds are I'm listening to it. How do you decide what to read? Like, what are some of your filters? I, and, and, I, I'll, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll open that up <laughs> a little bit broader because you don't, might not necessarily be reading a lot right now because of what we just mm-hmm. discussed, but what are your filters for consuming media? I have very diverse taste so it's just kind of if i read the description and and it sounds interesting to me like i really into the not so much like bill o'reilly or like a commentary book but like a political history type thing i'll I'll get into i'm big into like chuck palina kurt vonnegut of like dystopian history or dystopian stories but the only categories that i don't really get into are like sci-fi fantasy that's like way out there or like just romance novels or kind of like the the chiclet summer reads, but just about everything else, I'll, I'll probably give a chance. If you weren't a bookseller, what would you be doing? I don't. You can't say you can't say political <laughs> uh, strategist either. Drats. <laughs> I've had a lot of different. For being thirty three, I've had a lot of different career paths and changes. When I before I realized that this store was for sale, I was actually again, looking at going back to school to become a teacher because there now is a teacher shortage in this area. So I was looking at going back to the the school that I did my undergraduate originally to possibly become an English teacher. So I think I probably would have still been going down that path had had this not come up. A couple more. Uh, What book have you recommended the most over the years? I can give you a few. There's one book, Pieces Every Step by... I might butcher his name, uh, Thich Nhat Hanh. 
which at one point in my life, I was actually going to study to go into the, the seminary to become a pastor. And then I read that book and it kind of changed my worldview. So I didn't. A uh, young adult book, it's kind of a funny story by Ned Vizzini, who tragically passed away a few years ago. I was going through a rough patch when I read that book and it was like just the thing that I needed to read. So I ended up Never loan out an autographed copy of a book. I've discovered I won this raffle where if you took a picture of the movie ticket because that book turned into a movie, that he would sign a book and send it to you. And I got an autographed copy of one of my favorite books. I lent it to a friend because I wanted him to read it. He lent it to another friend because he wanted him to read it. That friend, I think, lost it. (laughs) And then I contacted him on Facebook and said, hey, I lost the book can I send you another one and have you sign it? He said, sure thing. And then I never got around to it. And then he uh, committed suicide, um, sadly. But one book, my um, dad had passed away a couple of years ago and he was in Vietnam. And that, I mean, as it did for a lot of people, Vietnam just kind of defined his life. And there's a book, Payback by Joe Klein, that follows five Vietnam veterans um, that were Marines and just kind of the experience that they went through in the years after Vietnam. And it just kind of evoked a lot of emotion out of me after reading that that book. So we have several copies of that book in the store that I try to get into the hands of anyone I think might be interested. Excellent. Finally, construct your favorite meal for me. Favorite meal? I am a super boring eater. My wife has helped me experiment with with more food, but being a, a native of, of Buffalo, New York, like what is what is Buffalo's staple? What um, is Buffalo known I mean, for? We invented the chicken wing. Really? Yes. And if you go to a place and you order buffalo wings and you get chicken fingers, you're not getting buffalo wings. I've I found that in in different areas. <laughs> The chicken wing was created at Anchor Bar, and Anchor Bar actually just opened at a location in New York City, and they sold out of chicken wings the second day of, of operation. Huh. Fascinating. Yeah, I've been to Buffalo once. Uh, we were driving to, obviously, you probably heard this a million times, driving to Niagara Falls. Mm-hmm. So or I was en route to Toronto, and I've been there one time, but we, we passed through at night. So it was dark, and I didn't stop. But I definitely know Buffalo by virtue of the Bills and the Jim Kelly era, and they have a new quarterback now. So good things on the horizon. Yeah, I, I grew up down the street from, from the stadium, like within a couple miles of it. Awesome. Yeah. Is Jim Kelly still a legend, I'm guessing, right? Like he's the, he's still the, is the stadium named after him? The stadium is not yet named after him. It's, uh, but you think it will be? Yeah. Posthumously, it may be. Or Thurman Thomas. Thurman Thomas are are always in the area. I don't know how he's doing now because I think, because he's had several surgeries to, for cancer, like it was like throat or, so he's been going through that struggle, and I'm pretty sure there, there's continuous prayer vigils for him throughout the city. Bob, thank you. This has been great. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed your podcast, and I'm looking forward to, to listening to it more. Take care. You've been listening to Book Stories. Book Stories is produced by Alternate Thursdays in Los Angeles. Special thanks to Savannah Tate for production assistance. Thrilled to have Savannah on board. Finally, if you like what we're up to, you can help us a lot by writing a review on Apple Podcasts and telling all your bibliophile friends out there what we're up to. Thanks.